0: Hello, and welcome to the sermons of our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Kurdenbeck. Today is the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. Our Gospel reading comes from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 13th chapter. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, "'Look, Teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings!' And Jesus said to him, "'Do you see these great buildings?' There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be earthquakes in various places there will be famines these are but the beginning of the birth pains but be on your guard for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say But say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated for all by my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. This sermon was preached earlier today at our divine service. Grace mercy and peace be to you from god our father and our lord and savior jesus christ amen the disciples as always were impressed with magnificence and in our gospel reading today they were impressed by the magnificence of the temple and really how could they not be herod's repair and expansion of the temple was truly a sight. To behold, when it was completed, rulers from all over the world were invited to see it from as close as they could get as Gentiles. The stones used for much of the construction of the walls were 60 feet long. Those that made up the temple building proper were 67 feet long, 7 feet high and nine feet deep. What wonderful stones indeed. The temple courts and grand colonnades were whitewashed so that they seemed to shine in the sunlight. Finally, the facade of the temple itself was covered in massive golden plates, which reflected the sunlight, making the whitewashed temple appear, in the words of some contemporary scholars, as a golden, snow-covered mountain. Who wouldn't be impressed by such a building? But in response to the disciples marveling, our Lord Jesus foretells the temple's destruction. Do you see these great buildings, he says? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Surely this would have shocked the disciples, as they didn't dare question Jesus until they were further away from the temple and even outside of the city of Jerusalem at the Mount of Olives. The disciples may have been thinking that this magnificent temple would be where they would reign with Jesus when he finally brought the kingdom. But Jesus is telling them the exact opposite. There will be a time soon where there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. The disciples did not yet understand that their teacher did not come to set up an earthly kingdom where he would rule from Jerusalem, but instead, as the Messiah, he came to give his life as the ultimate offering for sin. They did not yet understand that he was not only a king and a prophet, but that he was also a high priest. A high priest who would not offer up bulls and goats in the temple according to the Old Covenant, but would offer up himself as an offering upon the altar of the cross. As the author of the book of Hebrews says so plainly, Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. By a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Thus all who have faith in Jesus and his sacrificial death received the forgiveness of sins, both of original sin as well as of all other sins committed. His single offering on the cross was to atone for the sins of the world, and those who by God's grace repent and believe receive the forgiveness of our high priest Jesus, which he provides by his sacrificial death. And again, as the book of Hebrews reminds us, Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is no longer any offering for sin. Since there is no need anymore for an offering for sin, the Lord God no longer requires the temple. If the temple was to remain, it would become a snare, which could encourage both Jews and Gentiles to consider that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't sufficient. After all, the temple was still there sacrifices were still ongoing it could also tempt some to think that the old covenant had not been done away with and so our lord says there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down the disciples ask when will these things be and what will be the signs that will accompany these things so that we know they will be accomplished They're anxious to know when the temple will be destroyed. They're anxious to know what signs to look for when the end of the temple will come. And so our Lord answers their second question, but not the first. He tells them the signs, but not the time. He does this so that they will be prepared, so that they will be ready, rather than marking a date on their calendar and just waiting till then, there to always be prepared. First, he tells them, See that no one leads you astray. There will be many who come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. In the time after the ascension of our Lord to the right hand of the Father, there were many who claimed to be the Christ, who claimed to be the saviors of the Jewish people, who would throw the Romans out of Jerusalem and out of Judea, and would create a new and independent Jewish kingdom like the days of old with King David. Many, unfortunately, followed after them. Our Lord continued, And when you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom." During the earthly lifetime of our Lord Jesus, there was a time of relative peace throughout the Roman Empire. This was certainly accomplished by the hand of God in preparing for the redemption his Son would accomplish. But in the days after our Lord's ascension, there began to be revolts and conflicts throughout the empire, especially where there were Jewish or Christian populations. There were riots and civil wars in Alexandria and in Syria and throughout Judea. All of this took place to fulfill the Lord's word, and as such the disciples were not to be alarmed, but to remain prepared. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginnings of the birth pains. These too took place at the time following our Lord's ascension, In Acts, we have records of a great famine in Judea, and St. Paul mentions the relief effort being done through the collection in some of his letters to the churches. Likewise, there were great earthquakes, including the one that accompanied the volcano Mount Vesuvius, as well as others in Asia Minor, which destroyed entire neighborhoods. These did not bring about the temple's end, but they marked the beginning. Finally, the Lord speaks of the persecution of the disciples, which would mark the completion of this prophecy and the coming of the destruction of the temple. They will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. This is documented extensively in the Acts, where we see Peter and James and John Paul, Barnabas, Stephen, and others all dragged before religious and secular rulers. At all times, they preached the gospel of forgiveness for Christ's sake and witnessed to the truth of the Lord Jesus being the Christ and the King of an eternal kingdom. At those times, the Holy Spirit spoke through them. Christians faced violent persecution for many across the empire. For the faith at that time had spread from Spain in the west all the way to the borders of India in the east while the apostles were still alive. And at that time brother delivered brother over to death, and father his child and children rose against parents and had them put to death. Then, in the year A.D. 70, came the time our Lord prophesied of. It was the time of the destruction of the temple. But it was not only the destruction of the temple, because it was no longer needed, but it was also the judgment and wrath of God being executed upon those who rejected his Christ and flocked after false ones. It was a judgment on those who rejected Jesus, the Son of God. By this time, most of the Christians had already fled Jerusalem. They hearkened to the Lord's words, and they fled to the hills. First, the faction of the zealots took control of the city of Jerusalem. They defrocked the legitimately appointed high priest, and they made their own, one that wasn't even a Levite. And they took up residence in the temple. This fulfilled the Lord's words in the verses following our text, about the abomination of desolation, the one standing where he ought not to stand in the temple of God. Those that should have known better instead desecrated the holy things of the temple. Then the zealots began a campaign of violence and fear amongst those that opposed their rule. Many people called to Rome for aid, and Rome answered, by sending an army led by the emperor's son and future emperor in order to take the city from the zealots. Not long after the siege began, the zealots who held their towers left their posts and the Romans were able to get in. In response, Titus, who was leading the army, said, Certainly the god of this people has helped us. Rather than liberating the city, however, the Romans killed indiscriminately wanting to make sure they got rid of the zealots the young the old the women the children the healthy and the sick were all put to the sword josephus who was a witness of this tells us that the streets ran with blood and the alleys were so full of bodies they could not be walked through then the command came to burn the city and tear down the temple and the entire city to rubble all was destroyed. The temple is no longer there. All that's left is a foundation which was once under the earth. All was destroyed and remained a heap of ashes and ruin for almost 300 years until it was rebuilt again. All in all, 1,100,000 people were killed by the Romans, and 97,000 were taken prisoner and sent to various places throughout the empire. Thus the prophecy of the Lord was fulfilled. The temple was destroyed and the judgment of God executed upon those who rejected his son and killed his messengers and followers. This judgment was certainly a judgment of God, but it was not the final judgment. Instead, it was a type of it, something that foreshadows it. The judgment of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 is a type of what is to come at the end. The events, these events should fill us with awe and a righteous fear of God, for they point us forward to the end, to the great and terrible day of the Lord. Our Lord has given these signs to the disciples that they would be ready for this, and so that they would be prepared. And we, too, must likewise always be prepared for the time when our Lord comes again. For Satan will attempt to drive us away from Christ by many different ways. But we do have the promise of our Lord in the face of this, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Brothers and sisters, the destruction of Jerusalem was a foretaste of the judgment, and as such, We should use the time allotted to us to repent, just as when we hear or read or see similar things in the world today. For ever since the first fulfillment of our Lord's words, there have continued to be those who come in the name of the Christ, claiming to be anointed ones of God. We must be on our guard that we are not deceived by these false Christs and false teachers, who attempt to draw off believers After themselves. Do not flirt with their teachings, but once their falsity has been exposed and they do not repent but continue to teach, do as St. Paul says and avoid them. When we hear of wars and rumors of wars and of nation rising against nation, we should not be alarmed, we should not fear, but we should repent. Repent of our sins and cling ever more tightly to our Lord by faith. Repent of attempting to rely on ourselves, on our wealth, on our intellect, on our piety, and instead continue to rely on Christ alone by faith. When we hear of earthquakes in various places and famines, then again, we must repent. For we as Christians ought to live a life of daily repentance, a life of daily returning to the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, following after him and walking in his ways. These and other signs at the end ought to move us to repentance and to a greater faith in the one who will come again to save us. For truly he will come again, and those who remain in their sins, who reject him, who reject his word, and who reject his body the church will be judged. Since they are not covered in the blood of Christ by faith in Jesus, they are still under the wrath of God. Because they do not have Christ as their head, but remain in this world, they will, like the world, be judged for their sins and the rejection of Christ, and thus they will pass away into the fires of hell to face the just consequences of their sin. We, brothers and sisters, must not remain in our sin, but repent and <clears throat> repent when we see these disasters and signs. We must trust in our Lord who has given us the gift of faith and the forgiveness of all of our sins which he won for us on the cross. We must not be afraid, but evermore hold to him who promises the one who endures to the end will be saved. For he has already done all that is necessary for your salvation in his life and in his death. He now is at the right hand of God the Father as our high priest and our intercessor. By his blood we have been cleansed of our sins so that we may have confidence to enter the holy places by that blood. Through the waters of holy baptism, where the Holy Spirit was active in the water with the word to create faith in God's promises, he has sprinkled our hearts clean and washed us with pure water, so that with a pure heart and with a full assurance of faith We may draw near to God, our Father, with our prayers and our petitions. Our Lord Jesus continues to guide us and protect us, even in these evil days. He still feeds us with the spiritual food of his word, which nourishes our souls and strengthens our faith in him. He cares for us and tends to us with the medicine of immortality, his own body and blood food which grants us a blessed communion with him, and the forgiveness of sins when received with repentant faith. We need not be afraid when we hear of wars, for our Lord Jesus has already won the war with sin, death, and the devil, and he has taken us as his spoil, and gives to us the forgiveness of sins. We need not fear earthquakes, for he will one day shake the earth and raise all the dead, and gather them before him at that time he will bring those who have faith in him into the unspeakable joys of eternal life we need not fear famines for he richly and daily feeds us with his word which are the food of eternal life because he has done all of this for us and has given to us the gift of faith by his grace Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope of eternal life without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, for this is God's will for us. Let us not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near, the day of judgment, yes, but also the day of victory, when Jesus' enemies shall be made a footstool for his feet, and those with faith in him will receive the crown of eternal life. May God keep us steadfast in this faith, that by his grace we may endure to the end. Thanks be to God for this great salvation. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds